Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. There's a story. I, I just say a, a wee funny story just to soften you up before we get into it. But there's a story of two cowboys who are lost in the desert. They've been lost in the desert for quite some time and they're starving. They've not had food. They're, they're beginning to get a bit crabbity. That's a Scottish word for you. They're beginning to get a bit grumpy with each other. And they're not knowing where to go. But eventually in the distance, they see a bush. And this bush is hanging with strips of bacon. <laughs> and they're amazed. They, 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 they elbow each other and say, Is that really what I see? Is that really a bush with bacon? So they get closer and the closer, and they think it's a mirage, but no, it's real. And then as they reach out to touch it, their enemies shoot them with their guns. They're riddled with bullets, and they end up lying just away to die. And one says to the other, you know, it wasn't a bacon tree, it was a hambush. You're going to be dining out on that one for months. (laughs) Today, I want to encourage you that there is no ambush. There is no sleight of hand here. It's how we can be encouraging and blessing others, how we can be living examples of encouragement. And how we do this is by looking to Paul and the Philippian church. When others encourage us, we grow in faith. When others build us up, we grow in our walk with Jesus. And that's what you and I need today. I wonder how your week has been. I wonder what you've been up to this week. I wonder if you've had an opportunity to encourage someone else. Or you've maybe just been so wrapped up in your own world that you have just been feeling like you're in a downward spiral. And that's okay too, but we need to remember to look up, to look up and see how God has blessed us, even in the midst of suffering, and how we can bless others. Have you taken time to tell someone who's close to you that you appreciate them, that they help you in your walk with God? If not, don't wait. Do it this week. But of course, the problem is, it's hard to encourage others when you're suffering, isn't it? When, when people are struggling in your family or you're dealing with a lot, it's really hard to encourage others. But what we see with Paul today is how he wants to encourage his friends in Philippi. He often starts his letters with prayers of thanksgiving. But this one here in Philippians is a step up a step up in warmth and affirmation for the church. Now, I wonder if, as you're reading this, that you'll imagine that Lydia, the dealer in purple cloth, where the church met in her house, or maybe the slave girl who was freed from a demon, or perhaps the jailer and his family who asked, what must we do to be saved? are sitting right next to you. We read about those folks in Acts chapter 16 last week. 
Imagine that as this letter is read, that they're sitting next to you. Or, if you like, imagine you're in the church where the letter has been given from Paul and is read before the congregation. Just imagine how they are feeling when they receive this. And may it minister to you too. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you, about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen, and thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. Isn't that a fantastic passage? How would you feel if you were in the first church, the first church of Philippi that received this letter? You would be uplifted, wouldn't you? You'd be filled with joy because of how Paul cares for you. He really wants to affirm and encourage them in the midst of all that they were facing because persecution was beginning to hit that church. His reason for writing to the church was he had been given a gift from them when he was in prison. So prison in those days, you had to really fend for yourself. Friends and family had to help feed and provide for you. And the church in Philippi sent a gift to look after him. And he was delighted. He was delighted for not only their concern for him, but how he was just thankful for who they were. Verse 6 is that key verse. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It takes on, it takes on a whole new meaning when we realize that he is talking to a church that was born from the miracles of God growing amongst them. An earthquake, a freedom from possession. God had begun the work, and he was going to complete it. And because of the evidence of the work of God, Paul can be honest with them about how God will complete the work, even in the midst of their suffering. I wonder where you're seeing God at work in your life today. Is it a, is it a dry patch? Is it a wee desert? Or is it, is it a place of abundance? We go through the mountain experiences, we go through the valley lows, but throughout it all, God is with us, and he's continuing a good work. Even 
I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I think it's two steps forward, one step. Sometimes it's two steps forward and it's five back. Sometimes you think, am I really, am I really managing? But then someone else will say, do you remember what you once were like? They're usually family. <laughs> do you remember where you once were? And thank God we're not where we once were. We're not, we're not there. We're not there and we won't be there until the day of Christ Jesus. But we're not where we once were. We are seeing a good work in us. And it's the same in church. In church, for us back in Scotland, we have had two years of toughness. And we're still, I think, in a, in a barren place. And you as a church here in Coronado are going at a time of transition as well. But as you pray, as you continue to seek God... He will hold you and lead you through. And as you look at the verses, from verses 3 to 8, you see how much love and affection Paul has for the Philippian church. And we need to hear how much God has affection for us as the church of this world. In Philippi, they were living in a world of barriers, as we do, of race and wealth education, and culture. But the first century Christians ignored it. They loved one another because Jesus had called them all out of darkness. Do we, do we believe that for each other? Do we love one another? One of the key, I think probably one of the key ways the church grew in the first and second and third centuries, was because when, when suffering hit, when illness and disease came, everyone fled. Those who had the, 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 the opportunity left where the diseases and the illness and the plague were. But the Christians came in. The Christians stayed and the Christians loved. The cry of the first century was, See how these Christians love each other. Are we doing the same today? There's a story of a king who was giving awards to some famous people who were doing so well. And there was these three chaps. There was a philanthropist, there was a doctor, there was a judge. They were all getting high awards. But there was a, a wee lady, an an older lady who was with them. And the king noticed her and asked one of his aides, who, who, who's that wee lady? Small lady. Who, who's, who's that lady? She doesn't seem to have done anything. And the aide consulted with the philanthropist, the judge, and the doctor. And it turns out that she was their teacher. She was the one who loved on them and grew, grew them. She had no wealth, no fortune, no title. But she gave her life to produce great people. Isn't that something we should be about? About helping grow great people. In verse 5, Paul mentions partnership. And the different aspects of partnership that were involved here, of being of one faith, of being focused on the aims of the gospel, of working together to spread the good news 
and having empathy and sympathy as others were in their trials. In short, they were partners in the gospel to help people through their suffering, to give practical help, and to love them as the world would not. So here we have the answer to the problem of how we can help even in the midst of our suffering. As we pray, as we have a passion for the gospel, as we're loyal to one another, as we sacrifice ourselves, others will be blessed. And it's not, it's not a fashionable message. To rejoice in suffering is not going to get us onto the book charts. But as we follow Jesus, we recognize that others who follow Jesus hold us up. Who are your partners in the gospel today? You're thinking of that one person who has blessed you. If you know Jesus, there will be someone who helped bring you to a saving knowledge of Jesus. How they held you up. And in return, who is it that you are holding up? Who are you blessing? Who are you encouraging as Paul encourages the church? Paul shares his love and his care for the church. And then he prays for them. And what a prayer it is. A prayer that we should be praying over each other, folks. A prayer that we should be praying for each other and for ourselves day by day. That love may abound in knowledge and discernment. That their lives may be free from hypocrisy. That they may be reaping the fruit of righteousness. It's essential as we grow as disciples. And I think to do that, we need to encourage. We need to lift others up. And we, I come from Scotland. My wife is Irish. And the Irish do it very well. And I think the Americans, to, to stereotype you all, you do it very well too. You are wonderful encouragers. In Scotland, in Scotland, not so much. <laughs> in Scotland, if, if you've done really well, people will say, ah, that was all right. <laughs> that, that, that's as, about as high as it goes. But folks, continue to encourage. Don't, don't just do it. That was great. You know, don't just be there. Be there. Be there for folks. Hold them accountable. Bless them. Lift them up. And encourage them, even as you're struggling. And you will reap the fruits of righteousness. As we'll discover in the weeks ahead, the church in Philippi was suffering. It was not without its issues. But Paul doesn't merely tell them to hold on. He tells them to grow. To use their suffering to help them grow. To not miss out on what God has for them. And what God does in the midst of suffering. C.S. Lewis said, what was it he said? I'm, uh, it's not my notes. I, I, C.S. Lewis said that God whispers in the good times, but shouts in the suffering. You grow deeper when you face trials. So rejoice when the trials come, for God is doing a work in you. God, through his word today, is telling you to don't stop, to keep going, 
even in the midst of suffering, to walk, even to trudge through it, to let God grow you. And don't miss what God is saying to you. And so be encouraged and encourage others. Even when you feel at your lowest, bless others and see what it does to your heart. Because when you serve, you grow. As you serve in the midst of even when you don't feel it, you grow spiritually. And your words have power. Your words have power. Declare every morning before your feet hit the ground as you get out of your bed. Declare that God is for you. That no one can stand against you. That nothing can separate you from the love of God. That God works all good things for those who love Him. Declare these scriptural promises before you leave your bed. And even in the worst days, you will feel and know His presence around you. And those words that you speak are a blessing to others. So what can you do through your words, your prayers, and your actions today? Who can you bless? Now, in the greatest movie of all time, no, no arguments, no discussions, It's a Wonderful Life is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> if, if you've not seen it, well... Go and see it this afternoon. <laughs> but you'll remember at the end of the movie where George Bailey has, uh, you know, he, his, his uncle has lost all the money. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> his uncle has lost all the money and all the, fa- all, the, all the town here, after Clarence has been doing his work, all the town begin to bring money. And then just as everyone's filled with tears. I I can't watch it without crying. But as the living room is filled with friends, they're helping George in the time of need. Bert the cop brings Harry home. Harry, his brother, who he saved when he was young. And Harry offers a toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Right there. Right there. That's what we're talking about. In those words, in that moment, we know the truth of that word. That George is the richest man in town, not in money, but because of his many friends and how he has sowed into other people's lives that he has touched, who have touched his life. Folks, you can be the richest in town. I'm not talking about money. You can be the richest as you bless and sow into the lives of others. Whose life needs to be touched today? How can you discover the joy in the midst of suffering, like Paul, when you lift someone else up? Our job, our calling, our ministry is to lift each other up. Who can you do that for today in Jesus' name? And as you do that, you discover untainted joy from God that the world doesn't understand or can ever take away. We can know it, we can experience it, we can live it and share it. And wow, God's name is honored when the people of God love one another and love the world. So be an encouraging example today. 
and journey in joy. Let's pray. Father, we are yours. We are your people. We are called out of the darkness into the light. And Lord, as you call us, may we call others. Show us the way, Father. Show us the way to take joy in the midst of suffering, to encourage others, and to bless. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. So I, I've been a minister for about 20 years in, in Dalkeith. And whenever we go to another church and I have the privilege of doing communion, I always do it differently from wherever I go. <laughs> so the good news is that God is honored when we share together. The bad news is I sometimes do it a little bit differently. But let's pray as we have gathered around this table. Most gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for what you've given us and for what you've promised in this meal. You've made us one with all your people in heaven on earth. You've fed us with the bread of life and renewed us for your service. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit enlightens give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope that you have set before us, so that we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and to work your praise and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And one of the things we do in Scotland and, and please do it whatever way you feel comfortable, is to share the peace together. You can do that with a handshake, a hug, or a holy kiss, or even just a wave and a blessing. So let's share the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ be with you all.